Hey everybody, welcome back to Visual Novel Book Club. I'm your pal Slowbeef. With me, of course, my good friend Turbo C. Hello. Welcome back. My good friend Rosella 500. Hello. My good friend Jim. Hey everybody. My good friend Oren Ronan. Good evening. I Pulahoko is the person who's not here. Mm-hmm. He uh he is he is abstaining from uh, chapter three due to deeply held video game convictions, I'm afraid. No, I just couldn't make it and told us to go on without him. So, um, without further ado, chapter three, The Adventure of the Runaway Room. I'll throw it out there. Not a great chapter name. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Yeah. Is, th- is this based off of a Sherlock Holmes thing? Not that I can remember. It certainly didn't seem like it. Okay. Can I throw out a hotter ch- a hotter take? Not a great chapter, in my opinion. Ooh. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was all right, all right. I didn't I didn't like it as much as the other two. I like it it does things that you don't usually see in Ace games, especially in how it ends. I I will agree with that. Um it it did feel like it ran on a bit too long with uh what it was trying mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. I, I find it really interesting, um for its its uh its purpose as a sequel to Apollo Justice somehow. <laughs> I, I was not expecting that when we go 200 years in the future, but uh, but I wanted it, so I have to like this case because I got it. How, how is that a sequel to Apollo Justice? Yeah, I don't know if I like. Uh, I guess this. I guess this is this is a spoiler for the end of Apollo Justice, sort of. Uh, so skip ahead like 30 seconds or something. Sure. Um. But basically, it uh, Apollo Justice ends with the establishment of a jury system. Oh, right. Okay. And then we completely abandon that. We completely abandon that for subsequent, um, like, mainline entries in the series. So, to be fair, Apollo Justice came out when the Japanese justice system introduced not... Um, a jury, like they call it in the translation, but a system of lay judges, which is a different system that seems similar to juries, but not really. Um, and that's what was really an apollo justice. It wasn't a jury, like, <laughs> like here. Um, there are actually two other DS games that came out on the day that the um, system was introduced, and that dealt with this. Like two other um, like adventure games taking place in a, in a courtroom. <laughs> They're pretty good, actually. Wait, do you mean like the investigations games or? No, I mean separately from the Phoenix Wright, like two unrelated games, huh. um, like adventure games that take place in the courtroom where you actually play the jury. Uh, not the jury, the um. lay judge system. Hmm. Uh, you, you can read it about it in Wikipedia. It's an interesting system. It's not at all like, like juries, but it's kind of similar, but not really. So when they translated the game, they, they called it jury in English. But mm-hmm. well, the jury here isn't even really a jury, at least not in the traditional sense. Yeah, yeah. But- I, I have no idea what juries were like in like 19th century Great Britain, so I don't know how accurate this is. So it's completely inaccurate. I mean, they they cast fire. Yeah, that part they got right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, no. Uh, I looked this up. Jury systems in Great Britain at the time were 12 people. Um, they, you didn't always have a jury. You could opt up for a crown trial which is just under judge um under uh yeah magistrates and um you had to be a property owner in england to serve on a jury until the 70s 
<laughs> and there there were no women um, in the late 1800s into the early 1900s that were serving on juries at all. So this is more progressive than it really was. <laughs> Much. Well, maybe that's fine. <laughs> they let you bring in a knife into the jury. Um, <laughs> so. And a typewriter and yeah. But I think the knife would be the more forbidden aspect, though. That's true, too. So when when we're when we're here in Chapter three, the, the Adventure of the Runaway Room, um, we start off with like a, a novelization telling of a story. It seems like, you know, um, I mean, it's sort of like how the, the last episode started with like the climax yeah. of the, the adventure of the speckled band. Yeah, that's why I was wondering if this was a Sherlock Holmes story, because it's about. Um, a murder in a carriage where there were witnesses, but the only two people in the carriage were the murderer and the victim, which, you know, spoiler alert. Uh, what's interesting about it is that in, in that like little sequence, it seems like they're talking about this case because Holmes talks about how this was the start of, a, of his relationship with the student from the East. Mm-hmm. But Holmes isn't in this chapter at all. Yeah, I was right. expecting for him to jump in at any point. Yeah, me too. And also, this is narrated, you know, by by Watson or or Wilson, if Wilson, you please. Yes. Uh, and as as you might recall, uh, that man is dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is also interesting. Yes. The the intro was was very confusing to me. <laughs> yep. I um, I didn't pay it too much mind. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's only like three lines. It it will it will eventually make sense. I have to say. That. Yeah, I have some theories. Okay. To be to be fair, I I, I was like getting late to the deadline, so I, I kind of read read that fast. But anyway, um, so what do you call it? We get an animated sequence next, like full on like anime animation. All right, just animated, whatever. And uh, in it, um, Naruhodo and Suzato arrive in London, and they're just amazed by everything. It's uh, it's wonderful here in London. There's like, you know, everything looks like 19th century London and there's carriages and like, you know, kids running about scrappy kids with those like flat caps. You you know how this is, you know, old hat for us, but for a couple of Japanese law students and or an assistant in a law student or whatever Suzato is, I forget. But yeah, it's it's wacky. It's awesome. It's a a whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. (laughs) And um they have to hurry though, because they need to get to uh, what was it? The white to the Supreme Court of Whitehall, and they get their taxi. They're in a little taxi cab, and they go there, and they're in a steampunk gear law room. It's kind of great. It looks like they're in Big Ben. <laughs> yeah, like there's a giant clock on the back. Yeah, which I guess Big Ben's the bell. Before people start, before somebody's listening, yeah, I know it's the bell, and it's the whatever, it's the Parliament Tower, but you know, you know what I mean. They're in Dracula's castle. So ironic, ironically, it's the level before you meet Dracula in Castlevania Parklands, <laughs> which I think, you know, will come into play. Oh, my God. The Reaper's even in this chapter. Yeah, right. I, I was thinking that the whole time. <laughs> um, uh, Chief Justice Male Strongheart. That's M-A-E-L. And I'm assuming it's pronounced male like a maelstrom, you know. Do you want to know what this man is called in Japanese? Oh, yeah. I, I want nothing more. It's called Heart Vortex. Heart Vortex? Vortex. A vortex. That's so weird. Nice. So, yeah, same same vibe. Good vibe. So, they change they change Vortex to, to Maelstrom, and the heart is still the heart. But, oh, yeah. I see. Got it, got it, got it. 
But I think I think Hard Vortex is is a much more cook. It's a, a much cooler name. Yeah. I I also want to point out that he is the Lord Chief Justice, which is just what one heck of a title. If I had a comedy sketch with a with a a, a gay porno in it, I would name a character like an, an actor there, male male Strongheart. Personally, that's just me. You know. Yeah. Just wanted to throw that out there. You know, probably not good enough to be a real porn actor's name, but <laughs> in my cartoon Saturday Night Live world or whatever I'm building here, that's that's where it goes. Anyhow, I want to give uh, this, uh, I guess, the art team some credit here for every time they introduce a new character. Uh, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be the final villain. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did that with their like professor in the first chapter and they're doing it with this guy and there's like three other people that come in in this chapter. I'm like, okay, who's the final boss here? Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Totally with you. You know, um, so, you know, again, with the, oh my gosh, technology, you know, they've, um, Mail, uh, Strongheart's been told by, via Telegraph, that Kazuma died. And, you know, um, of course, Naruto's like, what the, you know, amazing, before we got here even. And, the you know, the guy's like, you know, you Japanese are really punctual, like delivering the message in, in person anyway. But, you know, um, basically, Naruhoto's like, well, listen, I got a crazy idea. What if we continue the study door? And then in like true Phoenix Wright fashion, no one gets to the point. So it's <laughs> like, continue the study tour, but we can't do that. And then blah, blah, blah. You a lawyer? And he's like, yeah, he goes, OK, well, I don't think you're ship was enough to like go to like a law school education here but i have an idea why don't you defend someone in court right now (laughs) and if you win the case you can be a lawyer and if not there's a man's blood on your hands yeah right Right. it's a capital case it's murder yeah it's a murder trial and yeah it's capital to to naruto's credit he's like i I can't do that i'm sorry you know i got that's like too important i can't put someone's life on the line just to prove i'm a lawyer but it turns out no one's going to defend this guy for some reason. So it's basically he's going to have to defend himself if you don't do it, to which case Naruto is like, well, I can't let that happen. So, OK, there's also this this really intimidating uh, animation that uh, Strongheart has where like he he like extends his arms and like there's a whole screen shake. Birds fly off in the background and you're and the, the camera like turns down so that you're looking up at him intimidatingly like as mm-hmm. he's explaining this to you. Of like, don't worry about it. It's just a just a fun little game where you defend someone who will literally die if you're not good at your job. And it's just Right. Poof. It's just a fun welcome to to this friendly country. <laughs> and the whole time I'm thinking, like, oh, so he's setting you up. Like this has to be yeah. something. This, there's other stuff going on here that that he wants this Japanese law student who's literally studied for fifty days and has no degree in law to go defend this guy for murder. Right. My initial thought thinking it's an unwinnable case and this is like kind of his way of like like getting like you know what I mean like politely declining like no you can't just be a lawyer you know right although it is still fucked up you know but that was my thought as to it I was reading a strong art as a very uh, actually um, truthful about the matter here like he seems very like villainous as I was saying in the beginning but more um, as I talked to him he's more like that that stern teacher that actually does care about things, at least mm-hmm. how I was reading it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because he was just like, oh, yeah, uh, you you actually 
you have noble intentions. You just have the guts to see them through or, or things like that. He did give us props for saying, like, you can't just, like, toy with a man's life like like that. And he's like, you know what? That That is... That is a really good point. You're you're you seem like a good person with some strong values. Right. But but seriously, like he literally doesn't have a lawyer. You should do it. I I like it was kind of a Simpsons thing where he's like, wow, those true values are like indicative of a good lawyer. So you are really qualified to read the guy after all, you know, but um, <laughs> and I say you fly boys won't stop joking around anyway. So um uh, yeah, no, it's so we have like 15 minutes to get there, too. We have to get, a, get, get us there in five. Yep, we get there in five uh, to the Old Bailey is the name of the courtroom of uh, the courthouse. And we get there because uh, Suzato told the told the cab driver, like, get us there in a hurry. And if you do, there's a guinea in it for you, which is um, apparently something she read in in Ranst magazine that, sh- that Herlock Sholmes did once. And I don't know what a guinea like maps to. I guess it's like a pound. It's very slightly more than a pound. Uh, okay. Like a, I, I had to look this up because I just couldn't handle uh, not knowing this. Um, but the guinea is worth. So a, a pound is 20 shillings and or a pound. A pa- sorry. A pound is 20 shillings and a guinea is 21 shillings. So it is ever so slightly more than a pound. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they, the the British monetary system was not decimal for until like literally the seventies. So if you ever want to really confuse yourself, go look up everything because it's insane. They have a hundred coins and they're all over the place. Well, they, not a hundred, but they have many coins and they're all over the place and they all do like weird numbers. Is it like the the imperial system of measurement, but with currency, basically? Worse. Wow. Yeah, the, there's twelve pence to a shilling and twenty shillings to a pound and 21 shillings to a guinea and then <laughs> a bunch of other uh intermediate things like tuppence and uh crowns and hay pennies and farthings and- I, I i got a derail so i i never looked this up but now you confirm so mary poppins they're, they're giving the birds money to eat I think it costs it costs two pence to buy the birds the bird seed. Okay, because the lady is singing "Feed the Birds Tuppence," right? Tuppence a bag. Tuppence a bag. Yeah. Oh, Tuppence a bag. Okay, got it. So, okay, cool. Gotcha. It all it's all clear to me now. Yeah, I was also trying to look up how much that money was, and yeah, I came across the twenty one shillings essentially. But I was also just like, so how much is that worth, like, to me and in, in my reference? And I couldn't really find anything. Uh, thankfully, the game does actually later give us a reasonable reference to what a thousand guinea, a thousand guinea, uh, could mean to uh, yeah. Naruto and Susato. Now, what's the crypto they used in the 19th century? It also implies that like 20 guineas is a lot of money, right? Um. So let's see here. So we get there and we've got like 10 minutes till trial and we meet our defendant, Magnus McGilded, who is kind of like Scrooge McDuck in human form, which is what I have in my notes. He's accused of murder. Okay. And he's rich. He doesn't seem to be too worried about it, though. Nah. Yeah. He's like flipping us coins. Difference is Scrooge is Scottish. Uh, McGilded is definitely Irish. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so um, 
Yeah, like you say, he's not too worried about it. But basically, at one point, he's like, you know, he's like, I can't. No one will defend me. And and we're like, why? He's like, I bet you're one even wondering with all my money. Why I couldn't even pay for the best lawyer. And the answer is the prosecutor is the reaper of the old Bailey, Lord Baron von Zeeks. Oren, will you do us the honors of telling us what his name is in Japanese? It's exactly the same. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> um, this is one they didn't change. <laughs> uh, is there anything else pertinent that I'm forgetting before we go into the courtroom? Also, it's not it's not it's not Baron Van Zix, it's Bar- Baroque Van Zix with a K. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Magilda did try and bribe us to be his defense attorney uh, until we actually were just like, no, we're actually here to defend you. Yeah, he just thought we were just like poor and asking for for handouts. He's like, look, okay, I'll I'll give you a thousand guineas if you just stand next to me and say you're my defense attorney. Yeah, which is relevant uh, because, you know, you think uh, he um, just like, I need someone. uh, But it becomes later, clear later, he actually had a plan to defend himself with regardless of who his lawyer was. I guess maybe it looks better to have a lawyer. Yeah, which is literally what he offers to, to, to pay him for. Just stand next to me. I'll give you a thousand guineas to stand next to me. Mm-hmm. He also at some point calls you a daft idiot, which I had to say out loud before I realized it was daft idiot with a, yeah. an Irish accent. But I, I stared at that for like a minute. It's funny, too, because they, they, they only use the Irish accent on certain words. Mm-hmm. Like they change THs to Ts and a couple others. But like, it's not like it's not consistent, really. No, well, I guess it's consistent, but it's just not very, um, doesn't happen a lot in the, in the text. Yeah, you sometimes have to uh, look it up uh, to figure it out, uh, to be sure, to be sure. Yeah, this game also has like a surprising amount of English words I did not know. They had to look yeah. I, had a, I was pretty good on this one. I think there's only two I had to look up, and one of them was one of um, McGilded's, which was Amadon, which is Gaelic for like a fool or an idiot. And uh, and Pav- Palavar later. Pla- Palaver. Yeah. Palaver, is that it? Okay, Palaver. So, which is an unnecessary or complicated procedure. Yeah. There's also some Cockney rhyming slang, but I think they mostly explain it. There's one, right? Butcher, I think. Yeah. Which I love cock- Cockney rhyming slang, personally. There's Adam and Eve, too, I think. Yeah. This is the one place where, like, the English version of this game has, like, a significant advantage over the Japanese. Because this is taking place in England, they actually can use accents and slang, and obviously you can't in Japanese. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, this is one place where it's really advantageous to play the English version, not the original. One other thing I will say about uh, Mr. McGilded is he was the other person I was referencing when saying that they were, they were designing villains in this chapter. Uh, he, <laughs> as soon as we saw him, I was like, okay, um... This one is probably going to be found guilty in some way or another. Mm. Uh, and then you find out, oh, I have to defend him. So maybe he is innocent. Who knows? But yeah, he, he sort of is is drawn in a negative style. Yeah, they, they, they don't end Ace Attorney cases with a guilty verdict, do they? So obviously it's innocent. Well, I mean, that would imply that we're bad at our job. Mm-hmm. So, um... We we get in right, and there uh, there is the the courtroom and the British courtroom with the the judge who looks kind of like the judge, you know the deal, right? It yep. looks like Santa and, Claus. Um, <laughs> looks like Santa Claus. He always looks like Santa Claus, no matter what time period or place you're in. Um, 
and then uh, we get we get jurors. So we have the jurist. Isn't it called the jurist system in Apollo Justice? I thought they like made a little funny name for it, but either he- uh, here it's like the jury kind of. So um, the jury. So the six jurors who I have the foreman. They, they are never given names. Funny numbers. Yep. Right. Yeah. Juror one through six. As is appropriate for a jury. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The maid. Um, I'm gonna get my notes here. Knife guy. Yep. Who's <laughs> who, is, who is possibly a barber, but maybe not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good joke too. That comes in later. Um, this lady who has like a typewriter with her, you know, and um, uh, and I think they probably changed it, but this, come on, this is an Irish stereotype. Don't tell me it's not. You know, this fit the guy. Who has like a horseshoe hanging from his like uh, neck? In and he's like he like when you see him, he like has that little like um, oh like a flask, you know, like the metal yeah. flask kind of deal. So and he he's takes wearing a green. swig there, and he's wearing green yep. and like a green hat and all that. Yeah. He doesn't have the accent. I feel like that's what he was drawn as, and maybe was like in the Japanese version. And then when they localize it, they're like, eh, let's maybe not do that, you know. <laughs> We've already got one Irish accent. We don't need to go two over the top. We're already calling the defendant a leprechaun. Let's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do actually do that. Also, he's, he's got the, um... You mentioned he has the, the um... The horseshoe on for for basically like a tie, but then his mm-hmm. um his facial hair matches the horseshoe exactly. He's just got like a, a goatee in the shape of a horseshoe. Right. Um, and then an old lady who's like knitting, you know? Um... So this this is kind of like a typical Phoenix Wright t- tutorial case, you know, in that like we barely know anything about the case as we're doing it and we're learning as we go. So we learn the victim is a mason um, named Thrice Fired because his bricks are really good. I thought because he was really bad at his job, but actually it's because he's quite good at his job and his bricks really hold up like he fires them three times. Yeah, he wasn't. He has him fired as a mason. <laughs> Right, yeah. He he's doing the firing, you know. But um uh he was stabbed in the stomach and we have a color photograph of that. Um and only McGilded was in the carriage with him, but he claims that he was asleep the whole time. And oh, I'm, and I'm sorry, I didn't introduce our prosecutor. Yeah. Um Baron von Zeeks or Barak Barak von Zeeks. Barak. Or Baroque, I don't know how they want to say it. Um he's kind of great. He's Dracula. He's definitely just Dracula. Yeah. yeah he's got like kind of like these this like these light scars on his face, like an X kind of, and a fucking cape, you know? And he he does like his like Phoenix Wright Edgeworthy flourishes where he like holds out his hand with like his fingers kind of like str- like straight out, sort of, you know? He's almost doing like a JoJo pose. Yeah. Like if he had his other hand on his face, it would be a, it'd be very JoJo's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there, and like he's clearly animated to be that way because th- later on he'll have wine and he'll hold it like in the miserable pile of secrets way, and then he smashes it. Like it's it, they're doing it on purpose. That that is when I lost it. By the way, that's when my notes just trail off. I'm just like, God, he just he just obliterated. He just obliterated that wine glass. I was annoyed because the trailer for the game that's on Twitter, like the advertisement thing. They like very briefly show someone who like, you assume the prosecutor like smashing the wine glass, and that's like kind of all I knew about him. So later, when you see him with the wine glass, I'm like, oh, he's gonna do that. So damn you, advertisements. He's also another British character who is pretty racist. 
yeah, yeah, he doesn't like. Yeah, he does the whole like you Japanese don't know how to how to lawyer. He he keeps calling us Nipponese. Oh, Nipponese, right? That's right. Why? Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't threw me for a loop. That you know what that sounds like? That's like. You know, like the f- people who like feel like they know about like Japanese culture and language because they like, you know, because they like play a bunch of video games. Yeah, they they caught up on like a handful of things. Yeah. So he's like, I'm calling them Nipponese so they'll know that I know what Japan is and know all about it. I bet at that time period, like Nipponese was a way to refer to Japan still. Mm-hmm. Think that the pronunciation of Japan like really took hold later. Because it's more, it's more accurate. Mm-hmm. Does he refer to you oddly in the Japanese version? No, it's just it's only Japanese, so it's just n- n- Nihonjin or Nipponjin. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I imagine it's actually probably accurate for the time period. Yeah, and I, I, I forget. I remember reading in a book once where a character set somebody's some, like a fictional novel set in World War Two. They used a term too, so I think it, it probably and it and it was somebody like who does a bunch of research. I forget which one I was reading, but I've I've seen the term before. So I think it's just a dated term. I just, I know it from Fatal Fury, so, you know. Japan in, in Japanese, uh, at that time at least, was definitely Nippon. Uh, today it's usually Nihon and not Nippon, but... Um, so, so yeah, Japan is the, like, um, somehow transformed into Japan in the West. I don't even know what process. So why does uh, that character say Nipponichi then? You know the one. Don't make me say it. One from Fatal Fury. So today, the pronunciation Nippon is associated with like um, nationalism. I see. So if you're referring to like Japanese number one, so you would say Nipponichi and not Nihonichi. I was I was referring to my Shiranui and like dancing around it to be funny, but nobody, nobody fighting game. Okay, whatever. Um, it's fine. It's fine. There's a gaming company called Nipponichi. You know. Gotcha. No, I was referring to SNK, but whatever. Look, it doesn't matter. We have three witnesses, okay? Um, there's the driver, Beppo. Um, and I think that's his only name, right? They just Beppo. I I did kind of lose it at that name, considering everyone else's names at this point was are very long <laughs> and drawn out. You're just like Beppo. <laughs> true. He's what a poor poor man though. <laughs> he's the driver of the the omnibus, right? Um, so, yes. and he has like a little whip with him, you know, like a, a riding crop rather, you know, and he's also freezing to death in front of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so cold. And he mentions how cold it is on his route the whole time. Yeah. Um, so then we have two other passengers, uh, Bruce Fairplay, who's a banker. This is the one name. I don't know why they changed because it's called Oscar Fairplay in, in, in Japanese and Oscar is a perfectly fine name. Why did it change to Bruce? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I'm, yeah. That's I don't a perfectly know. reasonable thing to call someone. Sure. I'm trying to see if there's something like some kind of wordplay, but it's not. Bruce Fair doesn't really know. So Bruce Fairplay is uh, pretty interesting in that he's always looking to the right, at least for a good portion of the uh, uh, trial until we, you know, enrage him like we do all of the other uh, witnesses and then our third witness is a person with who is constantly adjusting their hat because it's all shoddily made and their name is Lady First and he makes hats very badly yeah 
I was very confused why they were going with the lady pun there. Yeah, I was waiting for something inappropriate. I'm just like, oh, here comes that joke. And then they never made it or they never yeah. translated it. <laughs> now, just now that you've said it out loud, I think it I think maybe we're supposed to think of him as as a gentleman, as in like ladies first. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, I thought they were going to do sort of like what they did uh, with the um, with the other chapter with the uh, L.A. dancer who was hiding for a while. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. No, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, he's just a beta. No, I'm joking. Um, but, uh, so what do you call it? Basically, what's happened is I was a little confused by this, by the way. Um, but it's like because Gil- McGilden and um Mason were the only ones in the carriage, right, or the omnibus. But he has wit, he has three witnesses, which I'm like, well, but how? Like, were they driving? And Narahoto is confused by this too. And this is where Zeke starts with his like, oh, you, you, you Nipponese must not know what an omnibus is. Don't worry. Here's one. And he brings the entire omnibus and submits it as evidence into the middle of the courtroom. And an omnibus, for those of you who may not know and don't have the visual aid of the game, um, why aren't you reading along with us, first of all? But second of all, um, it's like a bigger carriage, kind of. And there's two seats facing each other inside and then two in one direction on the roof, like a double decker carriage kind of, you know? Yeah. And apparently that's like the best way to see London. Yeah. And also I looked it up and that is what they looked like. I don't know about all the details because there's a key detail in this that, that I haven't seen from any of the pictures, but from looking them up, they did accurately model this on a, on what they looked like at the time. They did have the two benches inside and the two on the roof. Is the key detail you're talking about the uh, label that says Phoenix Wright carriages? Well, I mean, that one, too. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, if you uh, rotate it on the back, it, it says something like that. Huh. Yeah, when it gets entered into the court record, you can just you can examine it from the court record. You can rotate it and you can actually, like, go into it. You can examine the whole thing. And no, it's just it's uh, I just wanted to talk about, you know, what you can what you can find inside the omnibus, because that was the first thing I did the second it got entered in the court record. Yeah. There is a lot that you should look at first. Yeah, me too. I, I just, I wanted to say that the, the Phoenix Wright reference makes more sense in Japanese, where it's just a cute reference. In English, it, it sounds like they named Phoenix Wright eventually after the Omnipass. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, is it in, in Japanese, does it say like Phoenix Wright? Yeah, it, it, it says Phoenix Wright in English, it's just like a cute reference because Phoenix Wright is not a character in the Japanese version of Yekten mm-hmm. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, they kind of, and they kind of box themselves in by using the original Japanese names in this one, I guess. So there's like kind of nothing they can do there. Yeah, they certainly can't call it, you know... Narahoto. They still, I, I think, I think the official stance is still that like Phoenix Wright is is a descendant of this Naruhodo. Um, right. I think that makes sense. You can have descendants from other countries. Yeah. Sure. Or ancestors. Yeah. Which again makes it look like they named him after the Omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> just Ryunosuke just saw this saw this name on the Omnibus and was like, "That's dope. I should write that down." And then someone like you know yeah. centuries later found that note. He has to do some weird Kaiser Soze thing later. That's <laughs> like the only name he can think of. Were you named after your grandfather? No, I was named after his favorite bus. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so this is interesting how because we don't really know exactly how the jury system works. And 
Um, Suzato is actually kind of like looking this up for us as we go, which is nice of her, you know? I'm surprised that she doesn't know, like, when she got there. You'd think that'd be early in the lessons that she was giving him? Yeah, right? Because, <laughs> like, I mean, I hope you weren't, like, studying just Japanese law. I mean, you're going to need to... Well, maybe he was. It was a study tour, technically, right? I guess Kazuma didn't expect to, like, have to defend anybody either, maybe. I don't know. But, um, for whatever the reason, uh... You know, we ha- we're in the middle of testimony, um, and this is like you're you first have to like press everybody, and they're all just kind of saying it's the three of them testifying at once, and it's a typical sort of like I saw the moment of the stabbing, and it was definitely on the floor, and like they're contradicting each other, and you're you're like already thinking like that doesn't match the photograph, that's not quite right, you know. But as you're pressing them, um, all of a sudden, juror number three, the knife guy. And he's like this lanky guy who's like kind of a seedy character, you know, and he's got a knife with him, like in the little jury box, which is in front of the judge, you know, is like, I made up my mind. You know what I mean? Like I, oh, I, I should mention too, people in the courtroom, like in the, the gallery were mentioning when McGilded is like up how much they like him because he donates a lot of money to the city and there's like a park named after him and things like that, you know? Yeah. But then like all of a sudden juror three announces like, you know what? You can't trust rich people. I can't stand it. This guy's obviously guilty. And the like, the chair behind him flips to black. And then he, this like little flame appears next to him. Like it's a device, like a like a like a little lamp kind of thing, you know. And behind him, there are these like scales, right? And this is hard to describe, but all of a sudden, like a ball of flame comes out of his flame and goes on the left side of the scale and weighs it down a little bit. Uh, the scales have has already has some fire on it, so it's it's like kind of unclear exactly what happened here. It's just magic. Like there's no justification. <laughs> yeah. Number one, flames don't have weight. Number two, you can't throw them around like that. I mean, there's just there's it's just a magic flame that moves scales. I thought they were gonna say something like they were gonna explain like there's at least at least say that there's like a mechanism involved, even if they don't tell me what it is. But nope, we're throwing fire. Nobody, nobody like questions it or anything or I don't know. So it's just well, how this it works. Is what it is. Yeah. So, um, and then juror one, the foreman agrees and uh, also submits his flame. So two of the jurors have already decided a guilty verdict. Um, and then um, the uh, Zeke's uh, suddenly is like, um, when you press on the knife, it's like, oh yeah, the knife, I forgot. This is, uh, well, I'll submit that into evidence. He doesn't actually say like, oh, I forgot. He's just like, while we're on the subject, here you go. And it's a very pristine looking knife with an M on it. And he's like, it could have stoned for Magnus or McGilded, take your pick. And if you look at it in the court evidence, um, Naruhoto, of course, points out, actually, it could be a W upside down. Susato's like, yeah, but it's probably an M. <laughs> The other thing is that back in the the intro to, to case number two, like we did have um, Herlock Sholmes like spraying that stuff that made fingerprints show up, and I'm like, man, if only if only Herlock Sholmes were here, he would know what fingerprints are, and then like I feel like this case would take a very different turn. But uh, mm-hmm. but no, no one knows what fingerprints are, so we have a knife, and there's just nothing we can do about it. To be fair, like 90% of these people of this society are wearing gloves, like in England here, you know? So. It is midwinter. It's true. And here he was, in fact, wearing gloves, as we, we learn very soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So as as you're pressing them, uh, Juror 2 announces the the maid that, you know, like, things have to be tidied up. Haha, she's a maid. So, um, you know, she's like, you know, I think I think he's guilty. And then Juror 4 announces and then Juror 5. So now only Juror 6, the little old lady remains and she's like, well, I like Mr. McGilded. I always sit down in McGilded Park that, you know, was made possible with his money. And then that's when Zeke says, like, nice. Well, I hate to tell you this, but Mr. McGilded is a Shylock, which was like, mm. but, um, you know, is he is a, a loan shark and you borrow money from him and he charges you exorbitant interest rates. And uh, that's how he got his money. So um, Suzato then Suzato interrupts and she's like, oh, yeah, well, that's fine to say that. But do you have any proof that? He's a loan shark. And so wine. And here's where Zeke pours himself a glass of wine. He's like, please forgive me, Your Honor. The hallowed goblet. Hallowed chalice. The hallowed. Right. Yeah. And the, and the judge is like the hallowed chalice of the Reaper. This is owns. I got to see this up close, you know? Oh, yeah. Because did we mention that, that he hasn't practiced law for five years? He just decided to stop for some reason oh that's right you're right i'm sorry i didn't mention that he's come out of five-year retirement for this case basically with that the little old lady decides that mr mcgilded is in fact a bad person so she casts her vote and all six jurors have said he's he's guilty and now what's going to happen apparently is the judge is going to render his verdict of guilty in line with the jurors but suddenly suzato's like wait i found a footnote gets interrupted by the judge, and then Narahoto's like, that footnote, what, what did it say? And she says, basically, you can't, there's, like, a footnote that nobody does this, any, but, like, you can, like, ask for a summation examination of the jurors, to which um, Narahoto says, hey, uh, I can ask for a summation examination of the jurors, so let's do it. And um, what's his face? Uh... Zeke's is like, hold on, hold on. That's like a really obscure formality. Nobody does that, you know. And Naruto is like, well, I'm doing it. And the judge is like, well, it's legal. He can do it. And I mean, the judge is old, so it makes sense that uh, that he'd be more comfortable with it. Right. But I mean, t- I mean, Zeke's is, is surely ageless. But yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, you're right. That, it does make sense. And um, to that end, uh, we have a new sort of gameplay mechanic with summation examination where the jurors each give their reasoning. You can question them as to why they've arrived at their verdict. And then they're like, you can't con you can't exactly give evidence and contradict them like regular, but you can take their testimony and pit, pit them against each other. So if two jurors like testimonies contradict each other, you can say, wait a sec that those two things don't jive, you know? Um, and like one of them is that juror six, the old lady is like, she, you know, well, he was stabbed with like a stabbing downward motion and juror three is like, no, you're, you're stabbing from the side. And I, I hate the UI for this. Like, I get it, but it's like not super intuitive Yeah. because you pick one and then you get like f- the six dots representing each of the jurors. And you can't select the one you pitted, obviously. And they do a thing where they're showing like a 2D spotlight, like light thing kind of like on them. I don't I mean, like. It's a little weird, and it's like one of those things where I wasn't exactly sure what I was doing right away. It's not that hard. It's like, okay, wait, wait, there we go. But at any rate, um, you can like you can do that, and then 
they've contradicted each other, you know, and then you can pick, uh, um, I think, t- uh, two and five. Oh, you can also pit against because the type was it two and five is the maid is like, yeah, it's like f- 20 pence. They said to, to, you know, it's 20 pence to get on the bus. All Yeah, it's like. It's like, I believe, I believe the, you know, the, the driver, because he even remembered, you know, the exact amount of money that he got from the thing. So clearly his memory is good. He's a good witness. And, and he said before that, like, he took 20 pence that night. Yeah. The other person who, who, who turns out to be the boss of, like, Beppo's boss at the guy at the grill. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, the, yeah, he's like, runs like the horseshoe, the horseshoe, the, the, the driver's guild, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, it's four pence or whatever. And, you put, and if you put them together. Like the, the selection of the jury, the, the, the selection of the jury is very lax here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they can have a yeah. relationship with one of the like, witnesses. Yep. Very short. I'm gonna say it wrong. I know Vordire, I think it's called. I mean, it is, but I, I don't know how it's pronounced. Vordire, Vordire, I think is how it's said in like English, pretending to be French. I see. Vordire, <laughs> Vordire, gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that that the the, the conflict there is what that, that if it's four people at four pence, and it would be sixteen. And the guy's like, "Well, I collected twenty. And the drill down is that he was just overcharging. Yeah, and he's like, "It's so cold, <laughs> you know." Like, going, I'm sorry. It's so and he's cold. like, "It's it's late at night. I spend all that money on uh, alcohol trying to warm myself up." And then, um, lady first, who did we mention? He's a hat maker with this really crappy hat on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that the animation gets a little annoying because he just keeps doing it, where his hat slips off his back and he corrects himself. And if you if you linger on his character too long, it just keeps kind of happening over and over again. Like it happens like twice a second. It is extremely fast. Yeah, he he also um uh yeah he has a he has kind of a funny joke here though. He goes um excuse, can I interrupt? Uh, once I was charged ten pence for it, and then like it's <laughs> like ten pence. Like I you I go. Beppo, we're gonna have words, you know. So, um, we learned Beppo's really dishonest, crappy driver. Yeah. Uh, and then like the the jury foreman is like, I don't, like, what does this matter? You know, like ten whatever. Like everyone agrees that the guy was stabbed the same way, right? And we're like, no, because check this out. We present the photo. We do contra like kind of present evidence here. So with that, one of the jurors, I think, um, five, uh, the 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 guild guy the the non-irish stereotype even though he totally is uh changes back his vote to not guilty um and then we're back at the races well you have to get to four and eventually those two conflicts give us four jurors who turn around right oh right okay and then by the way zeke smashes his wine glass in his hand and then throws off the cape and I wrote in all caps, cape is off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, and he's just basically like, all right, fine. You know, you're contending. Um, you know, they looked down and they saw, you know. Um, oh, you know what it was? We contradict because the, the the jury foreman's like, you know, mentions like one of the witnesses said both his gloves were bloody. And we submit like the gloves, I think, to show like M- McGilded's gloves that were taken as like one splotch of blood on them, not both hands, you know. Also, can I just point out something that I thought was going to come up later is that there's only blood on the inside of the glove, which would make no sense if you're stabbing someone. <laughs> if you only stab somebody once, the blood should be on the outside of your glove because you're holding the friggin' knife. That's true. Yeah, but that never comes up. The, the other thing, like, that the evidence really likes to point out that I thought was going to come up is that, um, like, they keep saying. 
like uh, like, it's like you can't really see their face from under the hats. It's like from like in the in the both in the photo of the victim and uh, mm-hmm. like from the uh, like the people on top looking through the the skylight the skylight. It's like yeah, you could you can't really see their faces because of because of their hats. You can't really you, just because of the angle. You just can't really see their faces, and they they really play this up, and it doesn't come up in this case at all. Right. It does come up later, though. Yeah, it comes up once. Nadoda, when, when, when they first say it, Nadoda tries to point it out, but that it may not be um, gilded because they couldn't see the face. And they said that they recognized him because he was he's so, so short. So yeah, you know what it is. It comes. You don't. You don't get to present it if I remember. Like it comes up in a plot thing, yeah. like automatically. Like you don't point it out. Yeah. I think it's more that because it's not. The, what you, the prosecutor says it's not evidence. It's a theory. It's not evidence. So you can't prove either way. So you, have, you can only use it to sort of dispute things. You can't use it to sort of, you know, establish anything. Mm. What was I saying? But at any rate, um, the convention is basically since they can't see that, you know, it's like, so what's your theory? And of course, our cockamamie theory that we don't know for sure, but we have to press on toward is that there's a third person in the carriage and... Um, to this, McGilded mentions, yeah, well, there isn't a, you know, I had an urchin that was around, mentions an urchin, and all of a sudden there's a bang and then smoke. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff before that, uh, how, how we get to this point. Oh, there is? We'll get to it then, my friend. What am I missing? Well, when, when, you, when you get back from the juror, uh, Naruto's theory, there must have been a, um, another person because of the um, discrepancy in... in a sum of money the driver took. But yeah, that, that's when Beppo said that it was just overcharging. Um, that's where the, um, both witnesses claimed that they saw the, um, the uh, McGilded has had both of his hands uh, drenched in blood. Uh, and you present it alone, mm. but um, everyone agrees that that doesn't make sense, but they never seem to take this like as a like, con- conclusive evidence they, they're just like in, they insist on it both witnesses like yeah. no there's i saw both hands bloody you know yeah and and that's i think where uh you come up with the fifth person again theory again and you have to show mm-hmm. that that was possible because uh they didn't have a full view of the inside of the carriage from where they were sitting that's right that's uh, right. Because the back uh, bench was uh, uh, is not visible if you look at it from the top of the carriage. Yeah, and once they establish that they aren't telling the truth about that, you establish that. Um, and and that that that's when the judge asks you, so who was sitting in that back bench? And you right. say that it's McGilded himself, so he was not actually next to the victim and who the witnesses saw, but. He was sleeping on the back bench when they couldn't see him. And that's when you call McGilded back and he says that, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And also there was a, first, a fifth person there um, who I uh, helped escape. That's right. Yep. As an urchin. And also in the course of this, we've established that, I guess, at one point the prosecutor brings in, um, when he tells us about uh, McGilded, being this guy who loans at these extortionate, uh, these extortionate rates, he also, you know, introduces the the ledger to show that um, Mason owed money to uh, McGilded, and then what we find during the course of finding out that that say Fairplay is lying about um, 
viewing things uh, that fair play also owed money to McGilded. <laughs> Thus giving him a, uh, a, a motive because if McGilded goes to jail, then the debt is automatically annulled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we, go, do we get to the second part of the trial, did everyone here fully examine the omnibus uh, in that first part? Uh, no, no. Yes. Uh, I did, actually. Yeah, I didn't do it uh, right right uh, when it came up, but I did do it very, uh, very pretty early on. I, I examine everything the second it gets in the court record. Me too. They, they expect <laughs> you to, but they do, um, if you don't, and you don't have to in the first part, they do take that into consideration, uh, which is nice. Yeah. If you don't find everything, yeah. It pops up and it asks you, like, you know, it's, it, it introduces the thing. You have to admit you didn't see it. Yeah, but if you if you are looking there, then uh, Rosella, do you want to tell us what, what we find in the omnibus? Yeah. So you can you can examine, you know, the the whole like the, the outside of the omnibus. You look at the, the top, you see like, OK, there's two benches. It's got the skylight. You can look down. You can see only the one um, only the one bench. Um, you can also go inside the omnibus and you can um, you, you see like immediately to your left. There's the seat with with blood on it. And uh, you can look up and see that, like the skylight, that you 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 can't open it, um, like it doesn't budge. You can look down and see that the floor is clean. Yeah, you can look. To, you can you can you see nothing else of particular interest except the uh, the the seat that at this point McGilded has been purported to be sitting on has a like a handle, and if you open it, you can see there's a little storage compartment in there that's just got some like random paraphernalia in it for for like uh, keeping keeping the uh the like horses and stuff like that and uh and they they even point out they're like yeah this is this wouldn't even be useful for people to like keep their their luggage in because it's just it's just full of, of crap that the driver needs and uh and that's about everything you can find on the omnibus so it's good that's good uh it's good backstory to have in the back of your brain as like Slow Beef said, then all of a sudden there's a smoke bomb and uh, we all get ushered out of the courtroom. Yep. And the, the, the are evacuated. And that's like kind of the, the trial. Uh, there's like a brief recess, basically. And then, you know, so we we're outside. Um, let's see here. They basically uh, they come back in and the bailiff has caught the girl was trying to escape. Oh, I think actually even before that happened to McGilded says something. And I think this urchin might be here in the courtroom right now. And then the bomb go- or the smoke bomb goes off, you know? Yeah. Um, but they caught her and they figure out she's got a fancy thing from the army called a smoke grenade. Uh, they, yeah. Uh, and she actually has it like a, a grenade launcher with her. And it looks like Holmes's gun. Yeah. You know, but bigger. Yeah. They, they didn't take it away. Yeah. Yeah, for what? She's on the stand with the gun. <laughs> yeah, and she like fires one at the judge, I think, and it one at us, like a pink smoke gun and a green smoke gun, you know? Yeah, it makes colorful smoke um, bumps, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's very it's very cute. Yeah, it has a it has an icon on it, just like the one on, on Holmes's goggles that's got like like the sort yep. of four clover uh Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, and I wrote, "Is is it Holmes's?" When I should have wrote, "Is it Sholmes's?" But you know, <laughs> still, yeah. Um, but uh, her name, uh, let's see here. 
Let's see here. Oh, so they're both on the stand. I actually wrote, is this Pavlova? Because she's like blonde and she's kind of hiding her face for a lot of it. And she won't answer like who she is, etc. But then um, it's not Pavlova. That wouldn't make any sense. Well, I, I know, but like, I mean, we don't have many characters that it could be. So uh, what do you call it? Uh, Giselle Brett. I yeah, I think she's too tall to yeah, be Giselle Brett, but yeah. But just, I mean, there's another blonde person that's been introduced. <laughs> is she blonde in Giselle Brett? I always forget. I don't know. Yeah, she's in, she's in a ha- she has a she has a swan. It's hard to tell. Yeah, she has the swan <laughs> distracted me from the hair color. <laughs> the swan is white for whatever that's worth. Yeah, mm. I think Giselle Brett is a redhead. Oh, okay. Yeah, she is. Okay. So, what happens? Um, apparently, he he is testimony. He was woken by a scream inside the cabin because one thing that we mentioned is Lady first. Apparently, he also screamed when he saw the murder. Um, But uh, he heard one inside the cabin and then he sat the victim up, which everyone's like, why would you take a dead body and do that? And he's like, well, you're just going to leave a dead body on the ground. That's disrespectful. (laughs) Yeah. Always prop a dead body up into a seating position. Like it's weekend of Bernie's. That's definitely the course you should do. That's a the family will thank you at the wake, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know. Anyway, the the urchin speaks up, and she has like she has like a very um, like oh, blimey kind of British accent, and she does occasionally do Cockney rhyming slang. We didn't say what her name is. Her no. name is Gina Lestrade, which if that's a joke, I, I don't really get it. It's a Holmes reference. Oh, so Lestrade is one of. Um, the most important Holmes characters, who is not a little girl in, in the Holmes stories. Yeah. And it's, so the Holmes stories, Inspector Lestrade is like this guy who works for Scotland Yard, who is kind of bumbling and incompetent, and that Holmes helps, and Lestrade gets the, um, gets the credit a lot. Um, and see. it's just, he never has a first name, it's just G. Lestrade, or just Lestrade, both uh, pronunciations are used. It's like the main police officer in the Holmes stories. Yeah. He, sh- he, he shows up, the, there's, yeah. Him it's and... Like a, um, Gregson, That's I think. Bias Gregson, yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just a reference. So let's see here. Um, anyway, the thing is that uh, McGill did uh, hit her, you know, said she was hiding in, in the seat under him. And she, you know, when they were like, well, we didn't see her. He's like, well, I hit her and I made sure she got away um, because it can't possibly be her. And I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, my reputation just so that she won't get, you know, unfairly convicted because of her station in life. And two other jurors get swayed by that. Yeah, she's also, she's, she's a pickpocket. And she's a pickpocket, right. And Zeke's is like, no, 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 wait a sec, wait a sec. Scotland Yard thoroughly searched this omnibus. And there's, what is he, was it that there was like, um, I think, oh, I think, um, was it that McGilded like offers him to like lift up the seat? And see that there's like space underneath for her to hide. And Zeke's is like, Zeke's is like, wait, that wasn't empty earlier. There was like stuff in there. Yeah. And he, he even yeah. asks us like, hey, you know, you checked it out earlier. What did you see? You did check it out, right? Right. And, and you can say no. You can lie or you can like tell the truth that it was full before. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. G- so Gina's testimony is she did hear a loud sound and she decided to have a butcher. Which is like, if you're doing Cockney rhyming slang, I feel like that's the default one everyone goes to. Yeah, I, I had never heard that one before. I had to look it up. I gathered from context clues that she was saying, you know, like, have have a look. But I'm like, butcher. Book. So 
There's a movie called The Limey, and it's about a guy from England whose daughter's killed in America, and he comes to America for revenge. It's like an action movie, you know? But he uses a lot, and he kind of, like, half explains it. So he's like, we have a butcher, and, like, the, the American char- an American character would be like, a what? And he goes, you know, a butcher's hook, a look. So, like, the trick to Cockney rhyming slang is the thing you're trying to say. You rhyme it, but then you shorten the rhyme so it's not clear what you were referring to in the first place. Yeah, you almost always take off the part of it. The thing that would help you, like, identify what it is. Yeah, like, they call, like, um, they call feet plates. And because it's plates of meat, but you don't say plates of meat, you say plates. Mm -hmm. Or like uh, your friend, you'd say like, it's my new chine. And they're like, chine? Yeah, you know, china plate, my mate. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, Cockney rhyming slang is kind of ridiculous. It's like one of those things you have to be in the know for. That's, I think that's the point. Yeah. It's like, you're supposed it's like, it's a code, it's basically code language for people. So you know who's, you know, who's part supposed to be there, who's, you know, familiar with it and who isn't. Right. Anywho. So basically, it's just like, well, how the heck could there, um, or, okay, yeah, because so it's like, Sheena, so if she's the third person in there, you know, why, you know, and she heard McGill did, like, come in, like, there was a sound, but then, like, why didn't she hear, uh, Mason get into the carriage? Before that, uh, he, he also, um, he, he took her out of the, um, that little cabin, and then he sat her next to the corpse, and, uh, his point is that, that, that's what two witnesses saw. Yeah, and I think she even says, like, and yeah, and then I touched the corpse and got both of my hands bloody, so that should explain everything that everyone had. Yeah, and she's short like, like McGill that is, so that's why they mistook her, even though she didn't see their faces. Yep. And, like, a- around here is where, uh, is where I think at some point we convinced the entire jury that that he is he's not guilty because well oh he's you know would put his put his reputation on the line for this this poor urchin and all this seems to check out and make sense and so we've got six not guilty and so like it seems like the judge is gonna have to make a verdict um but then zeke's swings his leg around and puts it on the prosecutor's bench uh, yeah and and insists that this does not like that this is not okay, and this will not work. <laughs> he, just, he just, like, puts his fucking foot up there. It's so weird. This was my favorite Zeke's pose, by the way. It was <laughs> yeah. it was just out of nowhere, and he's like, pardon me if my... He names his boot or something like that, and it's just so wild. If, if my iron heel offends or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he complains about, like, everyone being so ruled by emotion when they should be ruled by evidence. Mm-hmm. And yeah, tries to tries like I forget exactly what he brings up. Well, it it's just sort of like there's no there's no, there's no other way for someone to get in. Basically, if like you couldn't have gone into the door, isn't that it? Like it, you you didn't walk into the carriage like that. There's just no way there was an extra person there that that um, uh, Lestrade heard. You know, mm-hmm. I think was it. Which brings up then our cockamamie theory that well, that's because. The victim, Mason, fell through the skylight, which it's like, what? And but um, and then like the two witnesses, I think, come back at this point with Nick Hilded and are on the stand. That is Durst and because uh, well, the big thing was that um, when she's trapped under the seat and she can't hear anything because McGilded's sitting on the, the seat when she's in the compartment, he's sitting on the seat. Um, yeah, there's uh, she can hear everything. 
And I guess it's enhanced because it's dark and, you know, you're going to pay attention more to what you can hear. And she doesn't hear anyone yeah. come in. And so we have to come up with the theory of, oh, yeah, he didn't come in through the door. The thump was when he came through the skylight when he was dropped in. Gotcha. So, so yeah. So at this point, I think they come back, right? The two were like, oh, we would have seen that, you know? And, uh, and then basically we're like, well, there's one reason that you might not have testified that you've seen that, which is that we know that Mr. F- uh, Fairplay you know, has a big debt to the defendant. So maybe you two conspired together here to stab Mason and then drop his body through there. And um, they said, and they say like, no, no, no. Cause you know what? And then uh, I think it's first who uh, says like, no, no, that can't be it because I've been in that, the omnibus in the lower compartment and you can't open the skylight. And I'm going to confess that because once I farted really <laughs> badly and I tried to open the skylight and I couldn't. So I was like stuck there with my own flatulence to which I think the judge or someone says like, what an odd confession. Yeah, that's exactly the judge is like, I, okay, thank, thanks for contributing that. Do, do you expect me to sentence you? Like what? Wh- why? Why would you say that? <laughs> also, he was in the he was in the the compartment with a bunch of other people and they were all really pissed off at him for farting well. and they couldn't let the air out. Ah, <laughs> uh, fart humor. This is also when we get we start to get some of the breakdown animations for them. Uh, oh where, yeah, like fair play uh, turns forward so you can see his big Waluigi mustache and starts like nibbling on his cane. Yeah, like a lot. It's uncomfortably often. Yeah. It is, yeah. I'm like, oh, that looks like that. It hurt. I'm like, I don't even know how to describe what what Lady First is doing. He's like riding a, a fake horse, or like how you like toy, like play ride a horse. Yeah. You know what I mean? It it looks like something out of a Popeye cartoon. Like that's the kind of animation that he's doing. Yeah, he's so, sort of doing like the you know I'm about to box, but I've got my my ass out and I'm jumping up and down. Do you know what? Actually, we forgot to mention which are fun animation things. Um is uh so naruhoto first of all he has karuma the sword you know with him and he also has now instead of that like uh little badge he has the armband that kazuma's wearing but it's like kind of too big and it keeps like slipping down his like sleeve like every time he he'd like loses confidence in himself and looks nervous like the the band slips down yeah yeah and also, he's he's got the, the eye movements where like he's really freaked out by all this. So whenever he's sort of uncomfortable, his eyes just move around like he's, like he's on meth or something. Like they just start darting all over the place. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you call it? It's yeah. I still the animation. This is great. I don't care for first animation, but everybody else is um, still top notch. Yep. Um, let's see here. Also, like a juror number three, when he gets kind of flustered, will stick a knife, like Jeff, like slam a knife into like the table in, in front of him of like, you know what I mean? Like the, but he, then he can't get it out and he's like pulling on it. Yeah. Also, first uh, calls himself a very angry hatter when you, when That's you right. accuse him of conspiring to murder someone. He does. He does not like that. It's almost like he's mad. It should be mentioned, too, that, like, and I, I can't remember if it starts here, but McGilded starts defending himself as well. Like, he'll, like, kind of bring up things, you know? Yeah, he's, he's, he's pushing us in the direction he wants the trial to go. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because they're like, oh, we don't have, like, we don't even know this guy. We don't we don't know anyone in the cabin. And McGilded's like, well, I mean, you know, you yeah. owe me money and you're a hatter and the 
Victor wore a hat. So, and and his hat was shit. That's the important yeah. part. So obviously you're the only one who could have made it. Right. Durst is a hatter. And then like, yeah, the guild point, like his hat is all like, it's like a top hat, but like, it's obviously the top's been either ripped off or cut or something because it's like horribly stitched back. And you know what I mean? And the victim Mason's hats like that, too, you know? So and I think Durst makes a joke like, well, I'm just learning, you know, or something like that, um, which is why his hats suck. But uh, <laughs> it's 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 first Durst is Robert Durst. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so anyway, like they're saying, like, do you have any proof that um that the victim fell through the skylight and to which we, we, if you examine the omnibus and the latches is now disengaged, so you can open the skylight from inside. From outside. Um, you can only open it from outside. Well, when you're examining it, you can open it. So here's the deal. You're right. Like in the trial, it's a big point that you can only open it from the outside because there's a latch on the outside. Yeah. Once you do that and you go inside a carriage, you can look up and see that there's a blood stain. Uh, right. Like on under a sky sky hatch. Yeah, but you can't see the blood stain from outside. It's weird. But yeah, so you, you have to like open. So I I opened the skylight from inside when I was examining it, and Suzato made a point that like we can do that because the latch is disengaged on the outside. Yeah, we, we disengaged the latch when we were explaining that the latch existed and there was a way right. to uh, to open it. And then once that was disengaged, you could do it from either side. I think it's just the game's way of not being like having an overcomplication where you have to like go outside the omnibus, open it, go back inside and then look or something like that to see that there's blood on the inside of the skylight. Which is absolutely what I did, by the way. Yeah, me too. I <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, I didn't. OK, so I, I looked. I didn't open it. I just I opened it from the inside. So that, that, that might be also be the first time you notice it's like a huge blood stain on the floor of the of the omnibus mm-hmm. that wasn't there before. Yeah. Which I hadn't, but um, I had not noticed or whatever when I was doing the examining the the um, the card. I didn't notice the handle. I mean, I just didn't click on the handle um, and mm-hmm. realize that it was something you could discover. So I did not have that piece of evidence, but I did definitely go through that a lot. So I I was one hundred percent sure, like, yeah, there was no blood stain on there before. You actually couldn't click the handle before, um, like before it gets brought up in court because I I tried, I, I I noticed it. Um, and it just it just acts like you clicked the skylight and it's like, yep, you sure can see down here at an angle and it's fine. Oh, uh, but okay. then once it gets brought up in trial, then when you click that area, it, it, un- it unhinges the latch. Sure. Um, also, the thing that I noticed when uh, I forget why, why I wanted to look at the omnibus again shortly after the um, shortly after the smoke bomb incident. They, they actually tell you to in, in dialogue. Oh, yeah. Right, they do because yeah, because you you can look at you can see that the the little compartment is empty. It's like you could totally fit a a fourteen year old girl in there. Um, but the the blood stain on the ground is a uh, is a little bit brighter than the one on the seat. Yeah, and and yeah, it it, it was not there before. Well, that's so Naruhodo doesn't quite make that connection right now but zeke's has an interesting thing where he's like well here's the thing about that bloodstain it can't exist and naruhoto's like i'm sorry because it's funny it's a funny sort of inversion because that's the kind of thing like phoenix wright would say you yeah. know and hedrith be like what are you talking about yeah and, and that that, that bloodstain is like the final proof that someone was dropped in from above yeah so he's like he's like look scotland yard looked at this you know like there's no blood they found no bloodstains so Somehow, 
evidence was tampered with, which I think McGilded brings up, excuse me, prosecutor, but you entered this omnibus here in evidence and it's been sitting here in court the entire time. And Zeke's, I think, does kind of a cool thing here. And he's like, does that sit well with you, counselor? Like to us. To which I went, I, I knew what he was, he was making, he's basically making us admit it, which I liked. Um, yeah. And I went along with it, which is like, yeah, no, actually there is a time they could have tampered with evidence, which is when we were uh, when we had the recess due to the smoke the smoke bomb, you know. He also strongly implies that this isn't the first time McGilded has done this. He's like, hey, yeah. every time you get arrested, uh, you adapt the facts to to fit what works for you. And uh, I guess this happens a lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which would also maybe explain also why Zeke's has been brought out of a five-year retirement to try. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And McGilded is also very angry with us when we point out that, yeah, something is strange here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. you can say, and I definitely, and I did, I said that, like, no, that, that bloodstain was not there. Which, if this was, like, the American system, that would be, you know, completely improper for yeah, a, defend, you, a defense attorney to admit, oh, yeah, that evidence was definitely different. You know, like, you would just not talk about it. You you couldn't. Objection. Counsel is testifying. Yeah. This, this trial is... Uh, several mistrials over on top of each other at, uh which every yeah. phoenix right game is but this one especially yeah so let's see what happens here um so yeah once narahoto admits right that that the stain on the floor was 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 not there before mcgilda just freaks out he's like this has to this trial has to end and actually does so accurately Right, he says. He says to everything. Uh, great. You think that the evidence was tampered with? Show your proof. Oh, you don't have any proof. You just have the stuff you entered into evidence. You you actually have nothing more to bring. You have no more witnesses. You have no more evidence to show. You don't have proof of what it looked like beforehand. It's done. And the judge agrees with him. He's like, yeah, you're you're right. That this we have no way of proving proving that these blood stains didn't exist before. They do exist now. Even if the defense attorney admits it too, that's just one person's testimony. That isn't enough for anybody to uh, to form a conviction, at least. The same memory is not enough to be proof. But I, right. the Scotland Yard did a very bad job here because if they did examine everything so thoroughly, but they did not take any notes or photographs of it, then what what are they doing? Yeah, we have a color photograph of the of the victim. And no mm-hmm. photographs of the rest of the crime scene. I mean, even if you if we didn't have any of that, the blood that is currently there is very clearly fresh compared to the other blood that was in the. Uh- and uh, one of the things that, that re- I really love in this part because, um, that you basically uh, the 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 Zeke asks you, Van Zeke asks you, uh, Narahoto, if if he's satisfied, um, and you can admit that you can admit that you know that. There's still something, you know, just we're not explaining everything. But McGill just laughs and he talks about the fact that like um he pays he pays taxes to the people who uh to to the, the people at Scotland Yard who investigate these things, which just reeks of, oh yeah, I bribe people. There's a reason why yeah, you don't have yeah. the evidence here. There's a reason why when the bombs went off and Zeke's asked for the carriage to be secured. No one secured the carriage because the you know the normal cops are bought and paid for. You know now, and it kind of follows then too why nobody wants to defend him and why he would want to have like 
some, you know, like a foreigner, basically, like someone who has no idea who he is or anything like like, hey, yeah, you know what? Um, You can defend this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't know any of his tricks. You don't know that he's going to, like, try to, like, fuck the system for his own benefit, you know? Yeah. And it also explains why Van Zeeks has come out of retirement for this, because he wants to get this guy. Right. And yep. he thinks, like, oh, man, no, we we have the evidence. We've absolutely got him. And uh, they they kind of did have the evidence until it mysteriously changed. Mm-hmm. And this, this is, like, why, like, the... Uh, he was just telling us at the beginning, you don't need you don't need to do anything. Just stand next to us and next to me. Yep. Because he had this all planned. Yeah, he's all set. He's like, you did a great job, my boy. And they find him not guilty. There's the we usual. Win. Like, we win. He's not guilty. Yeah. We win. Yeah. Fireworks go off. Yeah, the fireworks in yeah, the courtroom. He, uh, in the courtroom. And he, they even call it out. Like, cause usually it's just like a cute little thing in Phoenix, right? That you're not sure is in universe or not. But no, here they're like, yeah, I didn't. You know, he's like outside the room. Gilded's like, yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't realize they actually had fireworks, but apparently they do. So he says that in such a way that you're like, wait, were, was that your reasoning for do all this? You you just wanted to see the fireworks. You murdered yeah. a man and, mm-hmm. and everything <laughs> just because you wanted to see the secret fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess um, what's what's left? He, he still offers us a thousand guinea, but we we don't accept. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So after this, you know, he, he kind of like, oh yeah, the the bailiff comes out and he and he says that McGilded can go v- inspect the crime scene now. For that's right. Yeah, which is just weird. Seems highly irregular. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, because basically he's just like, look, you know, I want to help Scotland Yard wherever I can. So I'm happy to help them inspect the crime scene. So toodaloo. And where we kind of realize, like, shit, we have nowhere to stay. Maybe we can stay in McGilded Park, you know, even though it's freezing. Um, But uh, Gina shows up uh, with her smoke gun. And oh, she has like a really long load animation. And uh, (laughs) we comment on that. She, She doesn't like adults. Right. Oh, she doesn't like adults. And this little girl shows up and she's like a little steampunk engineer girl who has her own theme song and her own like bazooka, which again has like that that um, symbol on it. The four leaf clover. Yeah. This, the, yeah. And it's the sights are just like Holmes's glasses. Yep. And basically she's like, you need to give that back. So she she's like, Eep, yep. Here, take your smoke gun back, you know, and she's identified as question marks. We never learned her name. And that's just the start of the trying times. She makes Gina go with her, though, to apologize to someone. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, because right. she's the inventor of these things. So she's this little steampunk girl who also invents all these guns. She's also, in addition to the, uh, in addition to the, like, the little clover motif, she's got hearts everywhere. Uh, it's very cute. I love her a lot. She was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we don't know her name yet. Yeah. What do you think it is? I, I know what it is. I was going to go with Enola Holmes. <laughs> Anola Holmes? <laughs> it, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're basing this on a Netflix series, but uh, something oh. like that. <laughs> Anyone else have any theories about who this girl is? I, I don't think it's... I, I mean, my theory is just that she's, like, obviously, like, an, like some genius inventor that Holmes... She's Holmes's Q, you know? Where, like, that's where he's getting all his, like, gadgets from, you know? But... I don't I, I don't know enough about Sherlock Holmes to know if there is like any character who's like that, which I don't think there is. I, I don't think there's any children in Sherlock Holmes stories. 
Um, there's the Baker Street Irregulars. Oh yeah, the Baker there's Street a bunch Irregulars. of urchins that he uh, that he employs. But no, she's definitely that's not the role she's fulfilling here. Um, I don't know. They could also adapt the housekeeper. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I'm wondering if it's like did Watson never have a kid? Not that I know of. No, it's just his wife. Okay. There's a love interest, but I really hope it's not. Yeah, her. no. No, okay, no, no. Oof. Yeah, Irina Adler, but no, that would not be. It's kind of nice that, that none of you like looked at any like um, promotional material for this game because this character's name is like very highly publicized. Oh yeah, I, I specifically avoided it because we had talked a few months before this came out about about playing the game. So I at that point I just shut everything off. I'm just like, nope, no thanks. Yeah, I mean, she shows up on the like sort of title card when you like hover over the game on on PS5. She's on the cover of the physical like Japanese copy. Yeah. She's one of the four characters. I know she's a real character, but I mean they're they're they don't have name tags on on the cover. So I right. I stay away from promotional material. It's not for my eyes. I figured when she had her own little like theme song that she was going to be a character. I feel like too and uh, this is a pretty cold take that like I mean, this is, I feel like, one of those, like, revisited kind of trial, like, things where, like, I don't know how, um, oh, gosh, I totally forgot her name. The lady from the first trial. Um, Giselle? You know, thank you. Giselle Brett, yeah, thank you. Um, I don't know how Giselle figures into this or if she does, but, like, I feel like it's a thing we have to revisit, including, like, the evidence from the omnibus and everything, you know? Like, it'll be the final case, and we'll, like, have to redo, like, okay, here's what really happened kind of deal, you know? But, um, I don't know exactly how that's going to go just yet. And obviously, it's going to involve, like, help from Sherlock Holmes. Also, there's the one last uh, animation scene that we have before this ends, Mm -hmm. which is the... We just see the omnibus catch on fire. And there's, some, right. there's somebody inside um, who breaks the window, but we don't see who it is or they don't get out. Um, we don't see them die either. Just We just see it's on fire. Uh, we see a detective ask a policeman who, you know, like, uh, the Bobby, like, what happened? And he's like, we, it was like this when we found it, which seems weird for something that was in a court. And then the judge <laughs> and, uh, and Zeke's come out and they see the fire. And they're just like, oh, no. He got away with it again or something like that. And that's that's it. And then we cut to the next episode. I had a cockamamie theory that Wilson actually didn't die, but I can't remember what I based it on. And I don't think it's really possible. Well, my theory was that maybe that wasn't really Wilson. Cause it seems mm-hmm. like the whole, that whole prelude where he talks, where he's like recording homes, talking about the Japanese student seems like if it's not just some weird, you know, not getting the timeline, right it seems like maybe maybe Wilson's going to pop up later and still be alive somehow. How many John Wilsons that are... It's it's probably a common enough <laughs> name that are doctors. Yeah. Yeah. It's a completely different one. But you know what it is? It's also like it kind of not explains it. It explains it from like a story perspective, like why uh, Suzato or Naruto never mentioned like, oh, John Wilson, that's who we saw. De-. You know what I mean? Like, because if they did, that would kind of like give it away or something. You know what I mean? Like it would reveal too much of the story of that plot twist. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's why specifically we don't right. bring it up, mm-hmm. you know, oh, so that no one could be like, what? I just had lunch with him. Like he's he's great. He's still writing. Exactly. Holmes would be like, I, I just saw him two days ago. He definitely didn't die a month ago in Japan. Or no, like, don't worry. We're we're staging that because we want your assistant Kazuma to come to England to help this guy McGilded and like explain everything accidentally, you know? <laughs> 
which obviously wouldn't happen, but, you know. I mean, you know that, too, like, McGill did, if there is some grand conspiracy, and there obviously is, he has the money to pull it off. So, like, if, you know, I feel like we're going to relitigate a lot of this stuff. Yeah. In fact, you know, like, that maybe it wasn't even an accident, really, that Kazuma died, um, that Pavlova's being <gasps> pinned on it, but something else kind of complicated happened. I, I forgot there was a part early on that I that I, I took note of but didn't mention at the time, which is uh, when we were talking to uh, Males, Maelstrom, mm-hmm. uh, he were like, yeah, no, we like when we're trying to convince him that we can be a lawyer, we say, hey, we like we want to 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 accomplish. That's what, right. uh, You know, Kazuma Asogi wanted to accomplish while he was here. And he looks at us like. Do you really mean that? Like, as if he knows what Cosmo, what Cosmo's plans yeah. were. Yeah. Like, he says, like, everything or something like that. Like, he's like, do you really want to accomplish everything? And he's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, everything. I, mean, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not, I don't know what I'm agreeing to, but of course I agree to it. <laughs> you know, you know, Cosmo is planning to overthrow the country, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cosmo is going to date me. He mostly came here for me. <laughs> And then he's like, I start darting around on the date. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what would Cosmo? What would Cosmo say to that Bonmo? Um, Bonmo, whatever. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I didn't dislike the case per se, but I I I don't know. I I liked it the least of the three so far. You know. I, I will admit that, like, especially the second case, like, had. How can you introduce us to a character of Sherlock, of Herlock Sholmes, and then take him away from us? Like, yeah. the, the second case had so much personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one had a lot. This just feels like an intro to, like, the bigger thing. And it, it, and it went a little too long for, I get, like, the tutorial of this arc, in a way. It's, it's weird, because it's a tutorial case, but it's not, you know? Like, Ouchie is obviously part of the tutorial case, right? But, like, it still feels like a tutorial case. Yeah. And, yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have to introduce a new legal system with new gameplay mechanics. And so you are playing tutorial stuff, and they have to you know, sort of introduce it that way. Uh, which is weird to happen in the third chapter. It's not... I don't think it's bad. And I think it's definitely... It, it probably pays off more because it's setting up so many things. I think probably in, in retrospective, when we're done, we might be like, oh, yeah, now I like the third chapter. But it's weird. It's It just throws off sort of the pacing of of the overall game when you go back to tutorial while you're already like this far in. There are some pacing issues with this game, definitely, because lengthwise, we are about halfway through the game, the first game, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, the two games are kind of one big game. Um, mm-hmm. like there are five cases in this game, but um, the two last ones are pretty much as long as the first three ones. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so we're halfway through, and we, we've just introduced like one of the major characters who's on the cover of this game, and we didn't even name her yet. <laughs> yep. And we threw away a character that's huge to the game just for a whole <laughs> middle chapter. Yeah. It's usually like the third. I'm not an expert, but like usually the third case in the Phoenix Wright games are like unrelated, fun little ones like the Steel Samurai. Uh, and yeah. I forget the circus. Oh, the, well, actually, the circus. Never mind. I, I shouldn't have said fun, but <laughs> they're intended to be fun. Oh, sorry, I thought about the circus case again. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Just made myself sad. This one, because the second case didn't have a trial, this one had to introduce the new uh, prosecutor and. 
a lot of stuff like in London, so it couldn't yeah. be the like so away case. It, it is just a weird game though so far where like we have we have the first case is all trial and that makes total sense. But then the second case is all investigation, and then this is also all one day of trial. Like, yeah, it 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 seems to me like, um, it, it feels like the 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 game is being morphed to fit the story rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I I I do feel like the pacing has not been like a hundred percent. Where some things definitely feel like they've been dragged out a little longer, but. It it really I'm interested to see where it's going. Like I'm I'm same. still I'm I'm still along for the ride. Nah, same. Oh, yeah, definitely, totally. I, I also know about the production problems that this game had, which I think we should talk about when we finish the first game. I think, by the way, we should do both of them because they aren't really two different games. They're one very long game. Sure. Um, hmm. So we will need to do both both games that are in this package. Yeah, I figured we would. And also, if, yeah, if we're halfway through already. I would say, yeah, that's the, the being just a quarter way through makes more sense. Um, the other thing too, is that, uh, it, it's this, I, having not, I've only played the first three, um, Phoenix Wright games. People who would know more could probably let me know on this one. I don't remember an investigation being shorter than this. Like we only have the investigation of the, the omnibus. And it, even that, is pretty short. I, there's almost like there's almost no investigation in this this uh, chapter. Yeah, this is an all trial case basically. Which honestly, like as someone who's only played the first game, the, the the investigation sections went on way too long for me. So the the more of the trial sections was was more fun for me. So I I consider this a good thing. Oh, so you'll have fun. You'll you'll have fun next week then. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I like. Uh, I, I. I. The thing about the investigations with the Phoenix Wright games too, though, is that they're like they're never totally satisfying because they can't be because you need to like kind of get half the clue yeah. to get into. You know what I mean? Yep. I keep thinking about the circus case and I brought it up. <laughs> Damn oh, it! No. Um, what a curse! I know. Mm. Anyway, so like, yeah. What are What are we reading for next time? By the way, so ne- next time is next. The first chapter is the actual first full-length chapter that has half investigation, half court. Um, mm-hmm. I think we should just do the investigation part. Um, yeah. And it's probably going to be shorter than like what we did so far, but both of them will definitely be much longer than we can do. So um, mm-hmm. just stop when the trial starts. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. Th- that sounds fun. And, and yeah, that'll give us the chance to actually do some, some theory crafting. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a full-length investigation part. Yeah, it's exciting. I am interested to see, too, how, like, where the Sherlock Holmes deduction part comes in. Like, if that comes in during a trial or during the investigation. You know what I mean? I feel like it must come during a trial, personally. Like, Oh, yeah, the, like, rebuttal, too. Uh, do, you want me to t- yeah, do you want me to tell you? Um, no, I don't. Okay. I'm... I'm just uh, I'm guessing it's going to happen like you were going to have to call him for testimony and that's how it works. But and it kind of ends up being like the final part of something. You know what I mean? Like that kind of is. But uh, it could also just be part of the investigation. Who the hell knows? I mean, if it's if it's part of the trial, I think it'd be a lot harder for us to do the synchronized dance. 
Well, you know, you know, actually, I saw a great tweet. Somebody said where like somebody was like, you know, triple A games like, man, why didn't like they like make this leaf fall or whatever. But then they show like footage of somebody watching Great Ace Attorney when he's walking in front of like the six like jurors. And they're like, oh, my God, he's walking around the courtroom. Oh, my God, this is amazing. See, yeah, I, but- I saw that. And I was like, haha, very funny. And then I actually played the section. I'm like, wow, this is actually surprising. This this is giving me like a feeling and I'm not actually sure why yeah. just after watching all these static animations. The animation is too realistic. I mean, it's obviously like uh, video captured and they painted over it. Yeah, I really liked it. It's it's nice to see him like pace kind of, you know, because like you always has those like thoughtful kind of things where he like taps paper or like he like kind of like rub his chin kind of deal. But like, I don't know, like the the one hand behind his back, like pacing thing is not, I don't know. I liked it. I was, I was, I definitely like felt like that before I, I saw that before I saw the meme and <laughs> you know, I was like, that's so cool. We're walking. What a world. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, that reminds me too. Um, d- very quickly. Uh, they mentioned there's going to be a great exhibition also. Oh yeah. Yep. Which was, which was a, a real thing. This is, this is a real world event. Even Ooh. though it took place in the real world, like, 30 years before the game takes place um right so but you can look it up yeah so uh, and it's gonna make the world fair look like crap that's yeah. right screw the power the parisian world fair we're going for the ink great exhibition it's gonna be a crystal tower i love final fantasy 14 yeah the, the final fantasy 14 crossover i've been waiting for i think the crystal tower was a real thing oh, i believe it uh crystal palace because now there's a, a neighborhood in London called Crystal Palace. You know what sucks? Marvel vs. Capcom should have had Naruhodo instead of Phoenix Wright as the character. He's got a sword. It makes more sense. <laughs> Alright, anyway, sorry. Um, anything else? Nope. Oh, Alright then. Well, in that case, we will see you all next time. Goodbye. Everybody.